Okay, you're ready for the word of God then. Great stuff. Oh, glory to God. Well, we're called to a purpose. How many know that? Uh, this morning I was sharing about the life with a purpose and about the Bible. We shared a couple of verses. We shared in Isaiah chapter 9 uh, uh, and we shared in a verse there how of the increase of God's government, there'd be no end. In other words, God, God purposes increase all the time. He's, he's a God who always increases. So what he's wanting is he's wanting his influence, his will, his plans to advance because God's plans are always good. I mean, God sees sickness, he wants to heal. That's got to be good. God sees problems and people love want to fix them up. God sees potential in your life. He wants to help you realize that potential. Whatever God does, always good. You know, the Bible says he does all things well. He's an awesome God. Fantastic. So God wants to advance his purpose. And so if we're connected to him, one thing should be happening is we're always advancing. Every year, better than the last. Man, I look and I think well, last year was good. This year's is a better year. So we want to have that kind of thinking. Better year. Next year, I'm already planning to grow and get bigger in my capacity in the coming year. So God always advancing. Second thing we saw was we saw how uh, God's, uh, that if we're going to have a purpose in life, we have to be linked. We have to discover what we're here for. And the only way we can discover that is to be linked to God's purpose for your life. And we saw in Acts chapter 2 how when the Holy Ghost was given, the Holy Ghost was given in order to fire us up with a mission, a purpose, that we might be empowered, that we might touch the realm of the Spirit. See, they've got an encounter retreat coming up soon, and that's all about encountering God. But the purpose of that is to bring you, so you've got something to do with your life, to connect it to God. I remember talking to a businessman in Taiwan. He, had a, he was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. He was a really rich man. He had armed guards around him, so I knew he was rich. He was scared. So I went in and had a good time talking to him. But here's the thing, he had no purpose in his life. In life, you can have everything around you, but without purpose, you don't know what it means. And a meaningless life is the most tragic life of all. So I want to carry on with that theme tonight. Just carry on and uh, continue with some, some scriptures and thoughts on that. So I want us to go over here. We're going to look now into Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. And uh, Jesus, a man who lived with purpose three years and he did something that has gone down through 2,000 years inspired more men to follow him than any other person ever known in history they ought to teach about him in the schools you know if they just taught about from the point of view he's been the greatest leader the world's ever raised up they should teach about Jesus Christ not try and hide him there's no, pe- there's no person that's ever lived that's inspired more people to be passionate and loving followers of him now listen to what it says here Luke chapter 19 verse 10 for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus came with a purpose. In another place, 1 John 3, he said, the son of man's come for this purpose as he manifested to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy what the devil did. Depression comes from the devil. Jesus came to deal with that. Give us the power to be able to overcome these kind of things and have a life that makes impact. Now listen, you were not called and you've never been called by God to comfort. When you come to Jesus Christ, you've got to understand he did not call you. He will comfort you, but he didn't call you to comfort. He did not cause us to call us to a cruisy life. A lot of people think, well, I just want to get blessed by God, you know, bless God, bless my life, bless my business, bless my, bless my relationship. Oh, God, just bless me. Listen, God didn't call you to be blessed, to live a cruisy life. He called you not to comfort. He called you to some other things. He called us to a number of things. Let me share with you some of the things he called us to so you can understand you're called for something. Your life needs to have meaning, needs to have something you're living for that's bigger than yourself. You're only living for yourself, you're a small package. Living for something way bigger. There is a cause, there's a reason for us to be here. We're not called to comfort, we're called to contribute. You are called to do something that advances the kingdom of God. 
You must contribute. If you're just taking all the time, your life isn't counting for anything. You need to learn how to give. We need to contribute. We're not called to comfort. We're called to compassion. We're called to actually have a heart and a feel for our community. Listen, God feels for young people that are hurting. God feels for young people that are going through struggles of depression and family breakups and abuse and all this kind of thing. God is concerned, but God expresses that concern through people. God doesn't just step out of heaven into the earth and suddenly say, well, I'm really concerned. Here I am. Let me show you how I can take my electric zapper and zap some people, get some sense into them. He doesn't do it that way. He's chosen people. And so you get called by God. When you get called by God, he calls your name out. He begins to get people to pray for you. You begin to be drawn to meetings. Then somehow, somewhere you hear the gospel, you make a response to Jesus Christ. Now, you didn't just get a ticket to heaven. You just didn't get eternal fire insurance. What you got was something better. You got linked to someone who can make your life have meaning. That can, that can, he calls you to grow, develop, and then begin to discover what he wants to outwork through you that will touch other people. So the way God shows compassion to people is through someone. There's someone in the city crying out for God and they need a person who knows God to be God's compassion. They need someone who has the heart and the feel of God that will go to them and say, I care, I'm involved. See, you're not called to comfort, we're called to contribute. We're called to compassion. We're called to be committed to a cause. We're called for something. Have a look around. Don't look at the papers and complain how bad it is. You're called to do something. You were born into this world to solve a problem for someone. You see, every one of us has got the answer to someone's problem. You've just got to discover what your assignment is. Who has God assigned me to? Who has God called me to help them solve their problem? Jesus said that. He said, the Son of Man hasn't come to be ministered to. He's come to minister and give his life a ransom for many. In other words, he said, I haven't come to get life to make me happy. I've come to make changes and make a difference in people who are unhappy. See, God has called us to make a difference. And so when you respond to Jesus Christ, it's not just about coming to church. God didn't call you to come. He didn't call you just to have church meetings. He called us to far more than that. He called us to a passionate cause. While there's an unsafe person in Hawke's Bay, we've got work to do. While any of your friends are unsaved, you've got work to do. Don't be a slacker. Get you, get it, get, start to let something rise up in your heart. God wants you to do something about what's happening. Come on, you're called to do something. You're called to do something. You're called. It's your call and your purpose in life. Don't end up in your life and you've got a few things around you and you didn't do anything with your life. Let your life begin to count. It starts when we connect to Christ and when we start to do things that serve Him. We're called to a conflict. Not called to comfort. There's a conflict. Listen, when you make a stand for the Lord, there's going to be conflict. I love, oh, Andy's made some great stands for Lord. I like that. And this conflict goes around him. I love all of that. You know, it's just, it's wonderful. You know, just being in some place, we don't have in Taiwan, heap of conflict over there. The conflict over there is all about corruption. So there's a huge conflict in the whole nation over the issue of corruption. Everyone knows that corruption's there in the government. Everyone knows it's been there for years, but suddenly they got sick of it. And they stand up and say, we're sick of it. We want change. It's the same in Thailand. Thailand just had a change in government because people said, we're sick of this. We're sick of this corruption. We're going to do something about it. You understand? They started to begin to say, we're sick of this thing that's happening. We don't want to put up with it anymore. We want to make a difference. You see, that's, that's a godly thing. 
It's a godly thing. I was in a church, and some people in the church stood up and said, we're sick of this. This is wrong. We're not going to go along with this. Come on. You understand that God calls us to make a difference. And so the moment you start to stand up and your life begins to count for something, you are in conflict. And you have to understand that and not walk away from it and think, oh, poor me. <laughs> Listen, you're called to be a soldier. He enlisted you in an army to be a soldier. That means conflict. You know, soldiers, conflict. Soldiers, conflict. Yeah, we're called to an we're part of an army to deal with the, the powers of darkness. That involves prayer, involves fasting, involves standing up, involves speaking out, involves getting involved, being part of the answer. Listen to this, 2 Peter 3, 9. It's not the will of God any perish, but all be saved. Now, that's the clear will of God. So, now listen, how many, it's not the will of God any perish, but all saved, all saved, all saved. So, you know what the will of God for Hawks Bay is? All saved. All saved. All saved. So, oh, that seems very big. Seems very hard. Well, it'll never happen while we think that way. We've got to think all saved. In, in, the, in the book of Acts, chapter 19, it says, the whole of Asia heard the word of God. Everyone. And why did that happen? Because some people got alive and they believed if they stood up and spoke up, they could make a difference. And we're going to start to do that. Get that same thing. Listen, you're not called to be passive. You're not called to be passive. I cannot stand passivity. My greatest problem when I come back into New Zealand after being away is I engage and start to connect with passivity and apathy and I get something in me rises up and I get very, very edgy. I get alarmed in my spirit. I could feel it today. I could feel as I come in, I feel that, and it gets over. It settles on people. And they become, oh, yeah, oh, oh, cruisy. Listen, we're not called to be cruisy. We're not called to be passive. You're not called to be passive. You're called to be passionate. Passionate people are wonderful people. You're not called to be passive. You're called to have purpose. This is why I'm living. If you're in a school, you've got a purpose to be in a school. Number one purpose, get educated. Number two purpose, get some of your friends saved. Change the atmosphere in the classroom. Start to pray. All it needs is one to pray. Get two, it's even better. Because you know God will do something to you in agreement. See, start to pray. Start to believe. Start to have a prayer meeting and say, God, we're believing for some of our friends to get saved. We believe it's possible for this to change. Because you say, it's not you will any perish, but all be saved. And so, listen, listen. While you're in school and you're at a certain level, you should say there's no one commits suicide on my watch. See, it's only see it's no use complaining about suicide. Church called to do something about it. It's no use complaining about people being depressed. You're called to make a difference. And if people look at you and can't see the difference, then you're you're part of the problem. See, so we've got to live. There's got to be something inside us, a passionate commitment to Jesus Christ and to a cause. When you walk, wherever you are, you go out into the community there, well, you're there for a purpose. Now, that purpose is disguised. It's like, you, you see, you're in disguise in a way because you've got a job or you've got a role in the community. You've got this or that, but there's an agenda. And the agenda is we advance the kingdom of God. With whatever giftings God's given us, we're going to advance his name, advance his influence. See, see Jesus' death on the cross was for a purpose. It was to empower people to advance his kingdom. He was to empower you and I to have difference in our community. Well, what about that? See, that's why he didn't die on the cross just so you could get a nice, cruisy life. There's never any reference. In fact, Jesus said, he made some real challenges. He said, following him will involve something for you. Listen, Jesus' death on the cross was a call to a cause. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, this is what real love is like. This is it. You don't get it better than this. This is what real love is like. It is willing to lay its life down and sacrifice 
for a cause. See, Jesus didn't die on the cross just for nothing. He died on the cross because he had in mind millions of people and generation after generation being saved out of sin, discovering their purpose in life, and beginning in their day to make a difference. Well, it's our day, and it's time to stand. It's time to rise up. It's time to break out of being passive. If you're passive, you've got a problem. If you're passive, something needs to change. If you're passive, you need someone to come into your life that gets really on your wick. You do. You do. See? Passivity is of the devil. Passivity shuts down our spirit. Passivity is like a powerlessness to do anything where it really, see, God says, hey, I put my spirit in you. If I called you to do something, you can do it. You can do it. Whatever you're called to do, you can do it. You need to realize that. Now, listen, Jesus said in Matthew 4, 19, look what he said. He said, uh, he said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. So listen to this. We're called to make a difference. I was, uh, I was with a, 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 uh, a, an oral surgeon in KL, Kuala Lumpur. And the guy was telling me about it. See that guy there? He's probably the top qualified guy in the nation. And you know what? He works in the public hospital. Do you know why he works in the public hospital? He said if he left that job and he went out and started a private practice, he'd be a multimillionaire. But he believes, and he loves Jesus Christ, he believes God called him to help poor people in the nation. And so he is in a position where not only does he give the highest and the best quality service that can be found in the nations, found in the public hospital, but he says he's committed to training up the next generation of people to make a difference with them. I said, I've got to meet this guy. And I met this guy. He's one of the nicest guys I've met. And he's living life with a purpose. He is not sabotaged and taken off with all the distractions of what everyone else is doing. Yeah, they're doing their thing. But his life has got an eternal content and eternal value. At the end of his life, he looked back and say, my life counted. I lived it for something outside myself and bigger than myself. See, that's what we've got to do. They've got to have something like that. Now, Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you to become... A fisher of men. Now, we understand this. When you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, it's not just, well, I come up, say a sinner's prayer, say, listen, it's commitment to follow a person. His name is Jesus Christ. David said of him, David was a man, and he upheaved his whole nation in his generation. And he said, well, the Lord's my shepherd. He leads me. I follow him. And when he followed him, he literally turned the nation over. He altered the whole religious system of the nation. He literally abolished the old things, and he brought in new things, which God... Listen, some of the things David brought in were actually about 2,000 years ahead of his time. But he reached in, and he said, I'll have that and bring it here now. And he totally changed everything. He totally upheaved and broke all of the religious system which Moses had founded. He totally upheaved the political system. He totally transformed the nation. He became the greatest leader Israel has ever had, so much so that when Jesus Christ was born, they called him the son of David. They identified him and David. Isn't that an amazing thing, eh? David was a man, passionate man, loved God, but he was a man of war, man of war. Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you to become a follower of man. God wants you to become a fisherman. I want you to become something. What does he want you to become? What does he want you to become? He wants to become a fisherman. What does that mean? He wants you to actually see the potential in people and help them discover it by connecting them to Christ. He said, if you follow me, I'll make you something. This is what I'll make you. I'll make you a fisher of men. So if you've got relational problems, you've got to do some closer following to Jesus, you need to get sorted out. Because he makes you a friendly person. He makes you a connected person. He makes you a person who knows how to help people, how to touch people, how to reach people. He gets you out of yourself and focused on other people. I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll make you able to attract people. 
I'll make you able to touch people's lives. Some of them will be absolutely happy to see you. Some will be mad. Some will hate you, want to kill you. But he said, you'll have a difference. You'll make a difference. Now, young people, if you want the crowd to please you, strike yourself out of the cause. You've just already abandoned the battle. You can't please the crowd. You've got to choose to please Christ and live a life with him at the center. What you find is the crowd changes. Today they love you. Tomorrow they hate you. The next day they love you again. Listen, the crowd's just fickle. The crowd is fickle. They come and they go like the fashion. They don't want to do that. See, you must choose to live for a purpose. Live for something that has eternal consequences. So I want to, I just, there's, there's some things. You know, the interesting thing there in a, uh, I was just, uh, how many of you seen that movie Terminator 3? How many of you saw that movie? I love that movie. I've seen all of them. And that one there, Terminator 3, because we haven't seen the movie, this will be a bit, not, you won't understand this part, but I'll share it with you anyway. But Terminator 3, you know, a lot of the movies, a lot of what Hollywood has, people just sort of are skating about. They don't realize that today's generation is all visual. They're surrounded by visual media. They see things all the time. There's stuff, you've got stuff on a screen, on the screen, the pictures on the screen, this movie, DVD, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's just absolutely, totally visual. And visual things are, are very impacting upon our life. That's why do our notices all visually. They're impacting. So when you have a look at Hollywood, Hollywood actually presents visual images. And not all of them are bad. In fact, within many of them are incredibly insightful things. And sometimes they don't even know what they're saying. Sometimes I'm going to just pick with you a few lines out of this movie. And it's an action movie. Most people look and say, what a terrible movie. I hate that movie. You shouldn't go. Christians ought to go to that movie. Well, listen, yeah, okay, don't go to the movie. You don't know what anyone's talking about and be irrelevant, you know. It's about actually connecting with people, what people are looking and what people are seeing. See, why we have an outreach on Christmas time is because everyone's talking about Christmas. See, what we have it on Father's Day, everyone's talking about Father's Day. Well, we'll talk about Father's Day and do something for it. See, so when you look at the movies, you find the movies actually often portray messages. A lot of it, of course, is tremendous rubbish. A lot of it, is, of course, is corrupt values of Hollywood. And uh, those who watch the Hollywood stars realize that the lives they live on the screen and what they live in the real flesh are different things. They just don't know how to make life work. But nevertheless, you find within many of the things they produce, they've got some amazing insights. If you just got to look for it. So let me just, uh, this, this story about Terminator 3 basically was that machines had rebelled against humans and now were committed to destroy the human race. And so within the movie, a young man had a call on his life to stand up and lead a rebellion against these machines. And so they sent a machine back to do these things. Now, if you do, I'm going to pick up a few lines out of the movie. Really just outstanding what you see in them. And I'll connect them to Scripture. And you see it's very... Now, listen, this is the thing. First thing was the robot that was sent had been previously programmed to kill people, not to save people. It was a heartless, cold machine programmed to kill. Now, if you have a look at the life of Paul, interesting thing about Paul. We love Paul. Paul's a great apostle. Did you realize he was a heartless, cold machine absolutely programmed to kill people? He went in and out of homes personally pulling men, women, and children, separating them, putting them into jail, and seeing them killed. He was cold and heartless. He was full of religion. And yet he had an encounter with God that changed him. In the movie Terminator 3, there's a machine that's been designed to kill people, and the machine gets captured. And what they do is they reprogram it, and they put a program in that he will now save instead of kill. Now listen, Paul the Apostle tells us, he said, he says in Ephesians 3 verse 1, he says, I was a prisoner, I am a prisoner of the Lord, or I'm captured by the Lord, and now I have a purpose, it's to go to the Gentiles and to see them saved. 
So the same man that was killing people after an encounter with God is reprogrammed on the inside and he's got now a different programming. Listen, when you come to Jesus Christ, he wants to reprogram you. So you're not a selfish person. You're not a person filled with bitterness and resentment and strife. You're not a person who's, who, who, who pulls down and attacks others and hurts people with words and kills their spirit with words. You're called actually to carry and bring life and to save people. So this machine, which was designed to kill, once it was captured and reprogrammed, had a mission, and the mission was to save. And amazing. Now, God calls every one of us to be reprogrammed with a mission. He calls us to be reprogrammed with a mission to see people saved, to seek them out and to save them. So in the movie, this robot begins to seek out this guy to save him. Isn't that interesting? See, you probably can't see, but shocked already that a movie could have such things in it. Let me share with you some other, I saw it two or three times on a plane coming back from Singapore, so I started to think about it a bit, and, and I got a few thoughts out of things. That's <laughs> else to do, but it's interesting what do you think. Okay, here's the first thing. Here's the second thing. When he did find this guy he was programmed to seek out, now, he actually had a mission. He had an assignment to find a particular person and to save him. See? And you have an assignment also to find people in your network of friends and to reach out to them that they might be saved. And so... The first words he says to this young guy when he finds him is this. If you want to live, follow me. Have you heard that anywhere in the Bible? Did you hear that anywhere in the Bible? If you want to live, follow me. Follow me, I'll make you to become a fisher of men. Jesus said, if you follow me, John told me, he said, if you follow me, he said, you won't walk in darkness, you'll have the light of life. Follow me, but you've got to make a choice to follow me. And the boy, when he saw the machine, didn't want to follow he was in tremendous conflict about whether he should follow. And he reluctantly followed. You see, Jesus calls us, just like that, to be reprogrammed with a mission to save people. But you know something? You've got to reach out to them. You've got to connect with them. And they have to make a choice. They have to make a choice where they're going to respond, where they're going to follow. An amazing thing. You wouldn't think these things are all in there, see? Now, on the way, they're in a car and they're driving there. And I'd love to get these clips out of the movie. And, and the, 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 the guy asked this question. What if you fail in your mission? And he made an amazing statement. This is the statement he made. He said, if I fail in my mission, he said, I have no reason for my existence. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So listen, the purpose of the church, the purpose of the, that God puts into the heart of believers, the reason he brings us into the earth is for mission. It's to reach people with the love and the power of Jesus Christ. It's to reach out and to save them. You are called for a mission. You have a mission. Now, if the church forgets its mission, then it's in deep trouble. If you don't live with a sense of purpose in your life, then you, your life actually becomes empty. See, you cannot fill your life up with meetings. See, people think if they come to a lot more meetings, they'd be a better person. No, what you need is to be connected to a mission to a cause, to reaching people and saving them. And it's only in that. And so he made the statement, if I actually fail in my mission to save, then I have no reason for my existence. In other words, he linked his purpose totally to the mission he was called to in life. Now what happens is we have a generation living without purpose, without a sense of mission, and so you know what they feel about their lives? Meaningless. 
And so what they do is they take drugs, they take drink, they do all kinds of stuff. Why? Because there's no meaning for my life. You go and look around your class. Go and have a look around your life. Start to ask young people, what's your purpose in life? What are you here for? What's your purpose? Have you got a purpose for life? What's the meaning of your life? Why are you here? You find out how many people can give an answer to that. You'd be amazed how many can't give an answer at all. Oh, I guess they have a party. Yeah, meaningless, wrong answer. Try again. See, what's your purpose in life? Now you listen, you start to listen to what people say. Don't interrupt them, let them have their say. Let them come out and say what their purpose in life is. What you find is that many people have no sense of purpose. You know, say, well, I want to make a lot of money. Well, what do you, what's the purpose of all that? If you just keep asking, well, what, what's the purpose of it? You'll actually realize people don't know. And their life is empty and has no significant meaning because they're not linked to God's purpose. Hey, you're not quiet now, eh? See this thing? Hey, what have I found? See? You know, interesting thing with David. David came down to the battle and he said, well, what will I get if I, if I kill this giant? And they said, oh, you're just a cheeky little brat, you know. He said, you're a bit of an upstart. And he said, is there not a cause? Isn't there a reason for me to go down to the battle and to look at this giant and say, I want to take it on? Isn't there a cause? There is a reason. Look around. Everyone's intimidated. Everyone's afraid. He says, isn't there a cause? We look at the drugs. We look at all kinds of things happening. Isn't there a cause? Isn't there something we should be living for? Shouldn't you be living for something? Shouldn't you be living for something? Is there someone that you're assigned to reach out to? What if God put in you, when you got saved, a program, and he called you to reach out to certain people to get them saved, and then you failed to do that? What does it say about your life? You failed in your mission. Okay, there's another part as you get towards the end of the movie. There's another part there where the, ter the Terminator machine gets into trouble and another one comes along and reprograms it with a virus. Overrides the commands. See, in the computer, anyone who understands computer knows exactly what I'm talking about here. So in the computer, they have, a, they have basic commands. So the basic command is save life. And then what did they put a virus in? A virus is a bug. It actually is a program that overrides and affects the whole operation. So I put a virus in and the virus said to kill this guy. So the, 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 the Terminator finds this guy, and then as he gets there, he's in conflict because his basic purpose and mission is save him, but he's got a virus in him which is saying hurt him. And he goes into tremendous conflict, and the conflict can't be resolved. And the only way he can resolve the conflict is the young guy looks him in the, eye, in the eyes and said, What is your mission? What is your mission? He caused him to go right back into his bottom line program, what is your reason to be here? And he stated what his mission was. He said, you're about to fail your mission. He said, my mission is to save John Conn. He said, you're about to fail your mission. And with that, this machine goes into a problem. It doesn't know what to do. So what it does is it shuts down. And what they call in tech language, reboots the computer. And when it comes back, the main commander's there. And now it's destined to save. And it lays its life down to actually save this young guy. Now you see, don't tell me these pictures don't have stuff in them. They're all in there, all right, if you just know where to look and how to look at it. You see, now listen, what is your mission? What is your mission? The only way you can resolve conflicts in life is to continually go back. What is my purpose for being here? What is my mission? Do you have a sense of purpose? Do you have a sense of mission? Do you have something you're living for? Do you have a clarity about that? Then start to get clear about it. There is someone that's your assignment. 
You see, when you got saved, God put a program in you, seek out and save that which is lost. God put a program in you, destroy the works of the devil. So when you see the works of the devil, you're programmed to rise up and feel angry about it. You're programmed to get concerned about it. You're programmed to do something about it. You have a program in you that wants you to do something about that. And when you see the right kind of person, the one that God's assigned to you, you're programmed Reach them, reach them, save them. Even if they don't want to be saved, reach out anyway. Compel them, start to pray, overcome them with kindness, find practical ways to help them. But whatever you do, don't let them go to hell. Don't let them be destroyed. Reach out and engage the people God called you to be engaged with. Hallelujah. Come on. How many know you're like that? How many know you're different? You see, you are different. You look like you're the same as everyone else, but you're not because you're something different. See, those Terminators, they look like they were people, but they had something else under them you couldn't see. And you see, just the same thing. You look like you're an ordinary person, but you're not. you got the Holy Ghost inside you, and you're wired with a program, and the program says, seek, save, seek, save, seek, save. Now, you can't keep coming to meetings and expect you're going to fulfill your mission. You come to meetings to be inspired for your mission, to be empowered, to be encouraged to learn how to do things. But at the end, you've got to live your life with a mission, a sense of purpose. Seek, save, seek, save. It would help you every day. Say, what is my mission today? What is my purpose today? See, mission, see, it's amazing. Once you see these things, you see them everywhere in the scripture. Isn't that right? In, I'll finish well, I'll give you another one. How many have seen that movie, movie uh, Mission Impossible then? They must have all seen that. They just look past the entertainment thing. See, right at the beginning, they give them this little wee thing and it plays a, a little wee thing and it gives them challenge. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is this. And they call it Mission Impossible. Actually, it really is possible. That's why they gave it to him. It just is impossible to everyone else, but he's chosen because it's possible for him to do it. You see, so the first thing they get is mission impossible as they get this thing. Your mission, should you choose to accept, so he's got to make a choice. Will I actually accept my mission? Now the church corporately has a mission and we have various ways of expressing it, but you individually have a mission. There are people that you know, that you pray for, reach out to you, have a mission, should you choose to accept? Oh, it's impossible. No, God chose you because he knows it's possible for you to do it. You've just got to choose to accept your mission. Listen, this is what the Bible says. Very, very clearly, with God, all things are possible. So there's no unsaved person in your environment that's impossible to save. This morning, uh, Pastor Joy was sharing with us about this guy who's a rebel leader in Uganda. And the guy is absolutely demonized. I talked to people about him who know him. And they said that there was uh, NATO sent in a squad of highly trained, highly trained commandos to go in and kill them. And you know what happened? They all got killed. And how did he do it? He did it with occult power. They said when this guy's demon started to manifest, everyone wouldn't look at him. They were so terrified of him. They were absolutely terrified. The guy carried real occult power. But a group of Christians got a mission. And their mission was to do something about it. And they prayed and they fasted. And then they went up to these altars where he invoked his gods and his spirits. And they began to anoint them and pray over them until the power of those demons was broken. The demons left that man. Now he hasn't got the power. Now he's talking about surrendering. 
after 20 years talking about negotiating a truce. Government shouldn't negotiate with him, they should strike in and kill him. This is what Joel was sharing how his mother got saved and someone very near him got saved. Don't tell me it's impossible for people to be saved. You got saved. It isn't impossible. See, so the Bible says, with God, all things are possible. So if God gives you a mission, then it's possible that you could get that mission done. I won't be able to do it. Because it wasn't the mission given to me. It's your mission. And you've got to choose to accept it. Or, you know, as you saw, he got the assignment. Now, here's the interesting thing. When he got the thing, it, it played, played out the mission, and he saw what the mission was, and then, within the, and then there's a little words come out. Now, within 15 seconds, it's a little destruct. And so, you know, they throw the glasses away. They throw the thing away. It's all gone like that. You know something? If we don't respond to the mission God gives us, we stop hearing him talk to us about that mission. It's absolutely vital every one of us embrace what God called us to do. You say, what is it? You need to spend some time listening. You're programmed for it, but only God can show you where and how it works out individually in your life. But you are programmed with a mission. You are programmed with a mission. You're programmed to seek people out and to save them. Mate, no mistake about it. Every believer is programmed inside to seek and to save. Seek and save. Seek and save. Why? Because you said, follow me, I'll make you fish men. He didn't say, follow me, and I'll make a few evangelists in the church. He said, you follow me, I'll make you to become a fisher of men. In other words, following Christ, the fruit and outcome is we begin to take on his value system in life, an eternal value system that says, everything you can see and touch will pass away, but people are eternal. My mission is to reach anyone, anywhere, but particularly those who are around me with the good news that Jesus Christ can be their friend, can fill their life with meaning, can fill their life with purpose, because i got a purpose for living. Listen, the Bible says, let me give you one last verse. It says, to him that believes, nothing is impossible. There's no impossible mission for you if you don't believe it's impossible. You look at your friend, you look at your class, can you see a classroom? So you've got to get a vision of it. If you look at it now, you'll see all these kids and they're antagonistic. They're, oh, man, they're Christian, they make funny and mocky, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't, you, know, you, know, you don't go around having sex, don't drink. Oh, you've got no fun. Now listen, you've got to stand up to all of that. Because that's self-destructive behavior. They've got a virus in them, and you do. You're called to terminate the virus. Sin is a virus, and we're called to terminate the virus. And God gave us the Holy Ghost to terminate the virus. Say, you're called to do this. You're called to do it. But you've got to discover how to do it and what I'm specifically called to do. Wherever we are, God called us to make a difference. Why don't we decide to accept our mission? To him who believes, all things are possible. And so I love, I love that mission impossible. You know, it's amazing the things he had to do to get the mission done. But he got the mission done. At the end, see, initially it was impossible. See, I, I've not, they had a, a statement a guy made about uh, a missionary was sent to, to, um, to China. And it was... It was impossible to do the job he's called to do. Then it became very difficult. Then it was done. That's how it is with God. It's impossible. Then it's just very difficult. Then it's done. If you can believe it's possible. Why don't you close your eyes right now? possible right now for you to be saved. If you don't know Jesus Christ, it's possible that in a, in a space of the next five minutes that your eternal destiny would change and you would come to know Jesus Christ as your friend, your savior, the power of sin would be broken and you'd begin to come connected with the one who has your destiny in his hands. Friend, 
That's the most wonderful thing. The Bible tells us very clearly we're separated from God, born into this world, separated from God because of sin. Sin is just natural to us. We, we tend to do it, but it's actually a virus in us. It causes us to malfunction. Resentment is a malfunction. Hatred is a malfunction. Say, bitterness is a malfunction. Envy is a malfunction. Lust is a malfunction. All these things are malfunctions. Something is wrong. The Bible calls it sin. The wages of sin is death. It has tremendous consequences. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Friend, what a wonderful thing if tonight you would say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. See, this is what God did. He loved you so much. He sent Jesus Christ. Jesus came in to demonstrate what God is like. He died on the cross, surrendering his life that he might, by what he did, cancel the power of sin. What an amazing thing that God would cancel your sin, but it requires a response. It requires that you decide, I will join myself to Jesus Christ and identify with him. We identify with him by making a decision to follow him. We actually speak and say words and a prayer of commitment to him. We identify with him later on in water baptism openly. We identify with him by growing in the word of God, knowing his ways. We identify with him by being part of the church. See, we identify with him in a number of ways. But the most important is we identify with him in the mission. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And tonight, friend, if you're lost, he's come for you. And my mission tonight is that you would be saved. That's what I've come here for tonight, that you would be saved. That you would be saved. You would be saved. Jesus said, follow me. That's what I'm asking you to do tonight, to follow Jesus. Is there any person here who would do that? Quickly raise your hand so I want to follow Jesus. We'll give my life to the Lord tonight. Any person here tonight, not yet a Christian, not yet a Christian, so I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my life to him tonight. Quickly raise your hand. Let me know. I want to give my life to Jesus. Put it up so I can see you. God bless you, dear. See that hand there? Anyone else? Anyone else? Put your hand up. Let me see. I want to follow Jesus. Anyone else here tonight? Is there anyone else? One other person say, I want to follow Jesus. Come on, friend, do it. Do it tonight. I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to follow him. All right, that's what we're going to do. I want to pray for that one person to put a hand up. And uh, what we're going to do in a moment is just going to just give a tremendous stand and give a tremendous clap. The count of three, we'll all stand. We're going to give a great clap because the Bible says they rejoice in heaven when one person gets saved. And if one person gets saved, then mission's accomplished tonight. Next thing is to begin to help that person grow. And we've got people here to help, help you grow. Are we ready tonight? Why don't we just all stand, give a clap. This young girl comes over. Bring your friends over with you. Come on, let's give her a great clap, Bay City. Come on, come on, come on now. Give her a great encouragement. Awesome. Friends who come up with you. God bless you, dear. God bless you. What's your name? That's fantastic. Okay. Just turn her face to me. There we go. You don't have to see everyone. Got someone else over here? That's fantastic. Awesome. What's your name? Good on you, man. Come on. Come on over here. Just come and stand here. Okay, just face me. I want you to close your eyes so you make everyone to vanish. Okay, church, let's all close our eyes. Now, this is what we're going to do in just a moment. We're going to pray a simple prayer. Prayer is just talking to God, talking to Jesus Christ. And when we pray this prayer, it's called the sinner's prayer. God hears it, and he starts to come into your life, and your life begins to change. See? So I want everyone to follow me in this prayer right now. And everyone just speak it out. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. Lord, I've run my life without you. And I got troubles. 
Tonight I turn to you. I ask you to be my savior. I ask you to forgive all my sins and failures. I ask you to change me on the inside. Tonight I receive Jesus as my savior and Lord. I give you my life tonight. I choose to follow you. And I thank you, you're my friend. And you will unveil to me my purpose for living. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep your eyes closed. Father, I just thank you for your love and presence here right now. I thank you, Lord, you love her tonight. Lord, only you can know how her heart has been broken so many times. The emptiness she's felt. Tonight, Lord, we thank you, you're here. We release the love of God into your heart. God loves you. He loves you. I just pray for this young man. Lord, he's had a lot of things he's had to carry too. It's weighed him down. But Lord, tonight you're the God who breaks the burdens. Father, tonight I pray for your presence, power, and love to enter his life and heart. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would come into his life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break every generational and family curse. I break the power of every spirit that oppresses you with despair and loneliness and rejection. I just break its power over your life tonight in Jesus' name. I release God's love and blessing into you. If you feel the power of God touching you, son, wonderful. That's okay. It's okay to do that. Father, just touch her too tonight. I know God's touching you. You're trying to hold the tears back. It's because why you want to cry is because you're feeling God's loving you. What you've been looking for. It's been hard in family. It's been real hard to find what you're looking for. You found it in Jesus. He'll never let you go. He'll never fail you. He'll always be there to listen to you. Always there to help you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, touch your Lord. Feel that touch your life? It's the power of God. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take authority and break every generational curse. I break the power of wicked spirits that have controlled her life with resentment and anger and rejection. I break the power of those spirits. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Touch your Lord. Come on, let's give Jesus a great big clap. Let's give him a welcome into the family of God. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's fantastic. Fantastic. You've got friends who love you. They're going to help you to learn to walk with Jesus. Got a little gift to give you. And I've got a little gift to give you. You can stay down there and lie down there as long as you like. It's okay. Amen. And they're going to introduce you to other Christians. And we've got lots of young people here on fire for the Lord. You need to make some good friends that lead you in a good path, eh? Amen. We've got to terminate that virus of sin. Amen. Well, why don't we listen? There's others here tonight. I believe God challenged you that you have not embraced the mission he called you to, which is seeking out and saving those whom God has appointed you to reach. I can't tell you who they all are, but generally they're in your circle of influence. They're where you go. There's people God wants you to reach out. You may not see them all saved, but you can show kindness to them. You can start to reach out to them. You can start to pray for them. You can start to believe God. It's not a matter of trying harder. It's a matter of believing God and then demonstrating kindness and helping people and being willing to just go straight in and talk about issues. I believe there's some here tonight. God's been speaking to you. It's time you embraced your mission. At time you embrace your mission. Like you said, what if you fail in your mission? What if the people that were around your life, you never reached them at all? 
and the Terminator replied, then my life would be meaningless. Can you really say your life's got meaning if you spend it all accumulating all kinds of things? And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But at the end, you fail to reach the people God called you to reach. You failed in your mission. That's a dreadful thing to do. If you've drawn back or you need to say tonight, Lord, I want to commit to your mission tonight. I want to, Lord, commit that I will follow you and become a fisher of man. I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to learn how to pray, how to give myself to serving you, how to give myself to reaching people. I'm going to make it my mission every day to make someone's life different. If that's you tonight, why don't you come quickly forward? I want to pray and release God's blessing. I want to release that anointing on your life, that empowering on your life. Come quickly. There'll be people tonight, you know God challenged you tonight. He spoke to your heart that there's no mission in you and there needs to be. You're saying, well, God, I'm serious about mission. I'm serious about the mission you've given me. Yeah, I know it's impossible, but you chose me. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, I'm your Tom Cruise. I'm the one who's going to break through and see these people get saved. I'm the one who's going to do it. That's right. Even if I've got to hang from a rope to do it, I'll do it. Eh? Even if I've got to swing from one building to another, I'll find a way to do it. Eh? Whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. Why don't you just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Come on, we'll do it stronger than that. Come on now. This is our mission, you know. You've got to, you've got to have a sense of passion about it. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Tonight I heard you speak to me. About a mission that's impossible. But you spoke to me. Because it's possible for me. Tonight I embrace my mission. Tonight I choose to accept it. And each day. I ask for your grace and power. To pursue that mission. Until there's no one in my area of influence. That hasn't heard about Jesus. Lord, tonight, anoint me to do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Holy Ghost, come. Come on now. Reach out to him. You begin to pray. And he wants you. He's going to lay hands on people. Father, let that soul-winning spirit come on people's lives today. Let that soul-winning anointing come. Let the fire of God begin to come upon people tonight. Need a few catches. Come on. Get some catches up here. Get one or two pastors and leaders. Come on up. Come on up. Pray for people.